coming straight out of Detroit. One of my friends, funny dude, he was on tour with me as well. He's gonna bring it to you, baby. Give it up for Howie Bell. Give him a round of applause, y'all. Come on. Give it to him. Uh. The D, the D. What's up, y'all? That nigga stopped clapping for me like I ain't shit. What's up, y'all? <laughs> Fuck is going on, niggas? <laughs> Fuck is a deal, Brooklyn. What's up? <sighs> oh, I got a fat ass son. Anybody got a fat kid? <laughs> I've been thinking about that nigga lately. Fat as fuck. What's wrong with the kids, man? <laughs> Why they don't play outside no more, y'all? <laughs> Lazy, fat motherfuckers. <laughs> My son, 12 years old, about to wear my underwear. Ain't that a bitch? <laughs> Little fat, smart nigga. Nigga smart as hell. He asked for candy smart. Father, I was wondering, uh, <laughs> if at this particular juncture of the evening, might you see it fit? that a young lad such as myself <laughs> might partake in a snicker bar, perhaps? <laughs> I'm like, go ahead, you little fat nigga, shit. <laughs> Kill yourself, nigga. <laughs> Fuck is going on with the world? It's different now, though. Even the way the parents are, man. I'm, I'm, my parents was a motherfucker. Like, my father was mean as hell. Anybody grew up with you? Your father worked the shit out of you when you was... Little nigga, my father worked the shit out of me and my brother's nigga. He was a plant nigga. We had time cards in our bedroom, nigga. <laughs> Wake up, clock in, go to bed, clock out, nigga. <laughs> clock out. That nigga would make up shit Saturday morning. You and your brothers, uh, shit. Put some shingles on the roof. <laughs> Get through with that, pave the sidewalk. I'm like, daddy, I'm 10, motherfucker. I don't know if you remember. I was stressed out, y'all, elementary school. Fucked up, beard, mustache, arthritis. Smoking in class. Kids be crying, I wanna go home. I'm like, shut up! Shut your ass up, damn it! My teacher like, why are you using that foul language? Shut up, bitch. I gotta go to work when I leave this shit, so. Fuck you and your apple, bitch. Father was a motherfucker. Had a drunk ass mama. Anybody had a mama that was drunk? My mama, you remember you was little, you'd be like, <laughs> drunk ass mama. Sound like a drunk ass daughter. <laughs> My mom used to get fucked up and leave us over other motherfucking houses and shit. You know, you'd be wanting to go home. You'd be like, mama, when we going home? I wanna go home. My mom be like, when I finish my drink. Be this much in the glass, and nigga go outside, come back and be this much in that motherfucker. Like, I hate this house. My mom used to get drunk, nigga, fried fish all night. Six in the morning, that's all you heard. Hey, hey, the blues is all right. Hey, hey, the blues is all right. Whole house smell like cool miles and shit. I hate this house, mama. So you know, you fuck around, you fall asleep and shit. <laughs> and you wake up, it's dark. You cry immediately. Ah. Ah. 
You hear a voice from another room? Go back to bed! Where my mama at? She went home. Lose your fucking mind. And then the motherfuckers decide to take me on my grandmama house and shit. Going over that bitch house is like going to jail. The meanest bitch on the planet. That's the bitch. As soon as you get over the house, get your ass in here and take a bath. Come in here and take a bath. <laughs> so you already crying. I hate this hoe. But you know, remember when you was a little nigga and you, and you ain't want to take baths, dog? Remember them days? You remember that shit? You nigga be in the tub fucking around, making the water splash. Not really doing shit. You got the washcloth rubbing the same spot. <laughs> My grandmother looking the whole time like the FBI, nigga. <sighs> Getting mad than a motherfucker. So the bitch just get irritated, kick the door open. Bam! Give me that washcloth, goddammit. Let me show you how to do this. Let me show you how to do it. This is how you wash. Nigga, this how you wash. <sighs> you stand there like a bitch. I hate this house. The old ass 80 year old woman arm in your ass. <laughs> you raw in the motherfucker when she gets there. You can't even put on lotion. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> hey, y'all, that's my time. I'm Howie Bell. Blood love. Next person. Okay. I'm about to say, send me, send me the link and all that stuff. Bad boys are coming and okay. it's still going down. For sure, for sure. All right, so we back here full again in full effect. Kari Frazier here with one of the people that I think is one of the most hilarious people. Um, Thanks, sir. When we think about Detroit and we think about comedy, you know, I can give like a full introduction as if I was on stage <laughs> rapping as usual. But without any further to do, Howie Bell, how you feeling? I'm good, man. I'm good, brother. Thank you, man. Appreciate that warm welcome, brother. Yes, yes. <laughs> Mr. Howie Bell, fresh off Detroit the road. Detroit style. Fresh off the road from Chicago and right back in yeah. to Detroit. 313, you right went Right back to, in the city real quick. Real in and out real quick. Went to the our twin city real fast. You know, know, our big brother. He, he chose January as uh, the month to travel by road, which is probably not yeah. the... Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's the smartest thing to do, but it happens, man. A lot of be funny. It's funny. I get a lot of shows in the uh, wintertime, starting in like September all the way mm -hmm. through March. It's so that's, heavy that's comedy. Deal, heavy comedy time. Comedy. <laughs> yeah, heavy comedy time. It's Summertime like is good, too, but it's not as busy, and it's probably like that for mm -hmm. most comedians. Mm -hmm. Or most live entertainment period Because you know a lot of people are outside during the summertime So you gotta understand the live entertainment Kind of takes yeah. a little bit of a hit during the summer Because yeah. there's so much, so many outside activities to do So usually Most times you know For the inside stuff the bookers get heavy in the winter time So I'm always traveling When it's weather conditions are absolutely uh, Not the best And I uh -huh. drove through four whiteouts yesterday Coming from Chicago back home So You know it's scary when you can look ahead of you And see the mm -hmm. snow before okay. you get to it? Yeah. You ever been driving in that habit? Bro. That's scary, man. When you can see it before you get to it, it's like a big wall of darkness uh, in front of you. <laughs> and then you just trust that other people know how to drive, which which actually bring me to like yep. one of the first things, because like I, I find a lot of parallels between rap and comedy, yes. especially on the come up. But yeah. we'd always do like what we call like daisy chain shows. Like we swap with guys in Chicago or Cleveland or whatever. Okay, okay. What was it, okay. What was it like going on the road for the first time? 
Oh man, you know I went on the road for the first time with a comedian named Big Daddy Fitz. Big Daddy Fitz from Detroit. Okay, when was born this? and raised, and, and he he passed away, man, mm. some years ago no, now. No, no. Um, he was one of the first uh, comedians from Detroit on Def Comedy Jam. Okay, uh, him and Karen Addison, Mike Bonner, mm-hmm. uh, Downtown Tony Brown. But uh, Big Daddy Fitz was amongst that crew, man. He was one of the early Detroit okay. comedians. If anybody knows about Detroit comedy, they know about Big Daddy Fitz. Um, but he he took me on the road, man, um, to North Carolina. I went to a spot called the Comedy Zone. We actually went to a few different spots, but this is the, the one spot that I was able to get me a guest spot on. Okay. And I, you know, I wasn't making no money. You know what I'm saying? I was just rolling so you with did them. it for like chicken wings and fries. Yeah, man. I didn't even care about the chicken wings <laughs> and the fries. <laughs> I'm like, I'm on the road. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm going to do a show. You know. What, what was it like? Just, just it packing was, for the road. What was the first? You know, because I, mean? I know you pack differently now. Oh yeah, pack. yeah, like, absolutely. Used to pack, it was probably yeah, like, I probably took a whole suitcase full of unnecessary <laughs> stuff. <laughs> it ain't even my trip. I'm, I'm acting like this is my trip, but uh, I, I can't really remember as far as the way I packed. I know it was probably unnecessary. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I know that. Um, like I said, I only got a chance to do one show out of the three places we went. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of that was a little bit of a bummer. I remember at the time I went to, we went to South Carolina and we went to a, a Spartanburg, South Carolina, actually, mm-hmm. and uh, there was some people I went to college with there, and I couldn't get up and perform. Mm. I was kind of that hurt me a little bit. You know, I wanted uh-huh. to perform at the time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I wanted to get up, but I, I wasn't able to. Mm-hmm. And uh, but you know that that first road trip, that first the show I actually did do it was pretty decent. I did okay. Um, okay. You know, it was cool. You know, I got some laughs. I thought that was good. Um, looking back at it, I probably wasn't that good, but it was just, I probably, it was enough to keep me going. You know what I'm saying? Enough mm-hmm. to, I did well enough, you know what I'm saying, to Where make me want to keep going. Yeah. Kept the drive going and saying, kept me going. All right, I'm coming back. Yeah, here. I can do this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I see it. I, I can shut it down. Yep. Because yep. that, that's just like such a tough transition when I think about being on stage, nothing's more fearless I think than a comedian yeah because unlike any other yeah. form of entertainer and that's why I say rap close second and I just say that because I'm a rapper but no other form of entertainment do people pay and then fold their arms and say make me do something yes like people say make yes. me laugh even yeah. though I pay to come laugh yeah I still the pressure is want off. you to make yeah, me yeah, laugh yeah absolutely whereas like if I pay to go see Tony <laughs> Braxton it's like I, I, I know I'm, I'm already happy see, before yeah, she starts singing <laughs> exactly you know what I'm saying if yeah. I go play, play go to see a play I'm you know I'm cool you know. Sometimes the expectations from comics are almost unrealistic coming from mm-hmm. you know the audience. But I guess that's what makes comedy so special and such mm-hmm. a different art form from everybody else is because the pressure is so strong. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if you can't deliver, you know, that could very well be your last time on stage. You know, so comedy is a lot it's it's uh it's intense from that aspect. You know, you're only as good as your last show. Yeah. You know, well, you're only as gonna be that you do one bad show. It's like, you know, you know, you raise 50 good ones. You yeah, know what I'm saying? 50, so maybe. A, yeah, maybe more. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's, it becomes, oh, that nigga ain't funny. Yeah, and it becomes like, man, how did I just become yeah. not funny of a one performance? But yeah. that's just how much pressure it is mm-hmm. in comedy to uh, to perform well. So it's, a you know, this business is definitely high pressure, you know, high strong, high mm-hmm. energy. You got to be ready all the time. Hurry up and be ready type type of business. You Most know what definitely. I'm saying? What what led you into this path on being a comedian? Because I know a little bit more of your inside story, kind of from your parents right. and a little bit of your brother. But right. what led you to the path of being on stage as a comedian? 
I started off doing plays. So mm-hmm. that was the first, my first taste of actually stage performing stage-wise and all that stuff. You know, I, I had been performing in plays, man, from middle school. You know what I'm saying? So, like, all Old type, like plays, the like to... Zoom Man and the Sign and, mm. you know, just uh, everything. Jesus Christ Superstar. Okay. You know what I'm saying? That, you know, from, from you know, musicals to drama. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that was just my thing. Acting was my thing, man. And, okay. um uh, I actually went on tour with my brother with a play, and I wasn't in the play. I, I actually doing production work uh, okay. called Ain't Nothing Like Family. Uh, my brother Greg Shelton, rest in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, being on the road with the play, ironically gave me a comedy bug. There were so many different mm-hmm. comedians that were involved in the play. Um, you know, Tony Roberts was in the play. Uh, Joe Blunt was in the play. Spanky mm-hmm. Hayes was in the play. Jonathan Slocum was in the play, um, so there were you know some really this was like a, a comedians in this, this play. This was, was in this a was in Detroit the Detroit. About to be funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the time, um, mm-hmm. uh, the non comedian that was in the play was a uh, Keith Washington, the singer. Oh, okay. Um, actually was this played before, one of the main roles? Was this before the, the song from Boomerang? Uh, this is after. Okay, okay. Yeah, so that was after. like he was like yeah. the the headline. Yeah, star. yeah. He was the headline so, star. So keep, like on the, on the urban yeah, commercial yes. on radio. It was yeah, like, yeah, with yeah, Keith. Washington. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Starring Keith Washington all day long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah. you know, and and I was I traveled with the play and um, mm-hmm. uh, big shout out to my boy um, Hassan Mausi who. Uh, who actually passed away too? Who is the brother of Suleiman Maousi, yeah. uh, the Maousi family that runs Shane Park? Uh, they've been running Shane Park for you know a couple of decades, I believe, yeah, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah. Um, but that was my boy Hassan was on the road with me, okay. and that was my partner, and we worked production. And um, and it was it was uh, it just gave me the comedy bug, man. And we 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 laughed so much on that tour, and it made me want to do stand up, you know. And I came back off the tour. And I went on stage, you know, didn't do very well. This is in '95. Mm. Yeah, I remember. You know what I'm saying? Didn't wasn't wasn't, wasn't very well good as a comic. You know what I mean? Mm. And then, but I kept going, and you know, and next thing you know, three years later, I did Comic View for the first time. That was '98. Mm. So it took me, you know, it took me some years to get it together, but it wasn't a long time. You know what I'm saying? But you know, while I was able enough, well, should I say good enough to get a television spot, I wasn't the best comedian at the time, but I was still good enough to get on Comic View and um, was on Comic View for like four years straight from that point and other things as well. But, yeah, those were the early days of me doing So it yeah, started stand-up. from basically production, yeah. yep. transitioning. Yep, from plays to production to stand-up. And, and your brother, um, so. your brother, Greg Shelton yes. is like was uh, rest in peace most definitely mm-hmm. was as as I learned from not just your parents but other people now very influential on like so many levels absolutely when it comes to black people in entertainment nationally and then in some ways internationally he wrote for the Image Awards for a number of years mm-hmm. um, he wrote for the Jamie Foxx show he wrote for Keenan and Kel back on Nickelodeon I believe Keenan and Kel was I mean a number of things, man. He wrote a a movie called A Very Larry Christmas with um the D Ray Davis is actually oh, okay. starting as on BT. Um he created and produced a show called um Black Men Revealed that was on T V one for a mm-hmm. couple of seasons. I was actually on that show too a couple couple times. 
Um, so he did a lot, man. You know what I mean? As far as, you know, we never know about all the people behind the scenes, the writers, the producers, and the directors, and things that put some of these, our favorite shows and our favorite programs together. We, we kind of take that for granted. You know what I'm saying? We don't realize that a lot of work goes into that part of it. Actually, that is the work. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That goes into these productions and these things that we take for granted that we see every day. These television shows, these series, these movies. I mean, people, a lot of people work hard mm-hmm. to make these things happen, man. I've been a, a, a part of a, a few movies. and I mean, you know, I got some B movies <laughs> that I've been mm-hmm. a part of, but yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm proud yeah, of. Yeah. You know what I mean? But um, that work was, it was serious work, man. You know yeah. what I mean? A lot of work goes into these productions, mm-hmm. man. And people, you know, like Greg Shelton. You know, they put in a lot of work for a lot of years. Sometimes don't get the recognition, so it's always good oh. to, yeah, to acknowledge. Most you definitely. Know. And when when I yeah. think about like the people like Greg Shelton actually opened up the doors, like people in those positions mm-hmm. open up more doors for a star and an artist. And sometimes yep. I feel like it's a team of people. Yep. As uh, when we think about people like Adam Sandler, and I forget the guy's name, yep. but Adam Sandler's been working with like that same crew of writers, and kind of as those writers find themselves around certain talent and then you know it's like a, a you know the the rising tide yeah. of all the ships kind of coming absolutely together the absolutely you, you could create a nice medley of of people man of creative of create of creativity should i say mm-hmm. with people man and um that's why a lot of directors tend to stick with some of the same crews they're trying to find that chemistry tyler perry does it too mm-hmm. you know with his core of actors and you know, you find different producers and directors doing that, and they try to keep together the same crew because you know, people work together to get familiar with each other, it creates better chemistry, and it's, so it's understandable. But it, that in turn does cut some people out. You know, you always got yes. people that are ready in the wings and ready and willing to, you know, to take on some of those roles and get some of that work that's out there. And they, you know, it's, so it's a double edged sword. We're like, hey man, what about giving these people opportunity over here? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But. These people over here that are working been waiting on their opportunity too. So it's you know it's, it's, it's tough, it's tough business, man. Yeah, how it works. It's like, tough would business. You rather roll with uh, roll with who you know and whatever flaws they have, or possibly take this opportunity <sighs> and chance on somebody you... new that seems like they yeah. don't fulfill other things that right. you think are missing. It's right. like a that ingredient is always tough. Yeah. Now, since you always kind of saw the production side through your brother and then even working on a production, because mm-hmm. that's a hell of a way to be introduced to the role and just the yeah. entertainers. And I can only imagine just knowing Joe and I've met Tony a couple of times and then I've met Keith Washington, what that tour was like. Yeah. And just it was fun, to, man. <laughs> just yeah, try it to, was fun. You it know, was... keep everything and, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, the energy and that spirit. What, what, do you take to the stage when it comes to professionalism or like having knowing the production side does that affect how you went about you know how you interact with business and everything with comedy uh you know what it it, it did it, it affected me um it, it taught me a lot man in a positive way you know how to how to you know how people love structure um you know how prof- how important professionalism is you know, because a lot of times the artist thinks being silly all the time or trying to be creative all the time is that's that's you know, that's cute. You know what I'm saying, all that. And sometimes it's you know it's, it's a time and a place for everything. So you have to, you know, find that balance of professionalism mm-hmm. mixed with being having fun. And you know, and I, so I think being being able to work the production side of things taught me that much more of, of how to carry myself. You know, when when dealing with people and, and interacting with people on both sides, on the mm-hmm. artist side and on the behind the scenes side. So. Uh, yeah, man, it was definitely beneficial. Um, like I said, if, if if anything, it taught me, you know, to respect what goes on, you know, on the on the with the things that you don't necessarily see on stage. 
You know, you got to respect what it, what the the work that it entails. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of people, like I said, don't get a chance to see that. So Most from definitely. that aspect, you know what I'm saying? It taught me, uh, you know, to look at things a little differently and, and not always take things at face value all the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You know, so it's a lot of work when you see that final cut, man. You're like, man, some work went into that. You know what I mean? I'm, so. I'm editing something now. <laughs> yeah, it, it yeah. is a lot of work just trying to figure out how things work. And as we yeah. go through the um, the cuts with the show, it's like, damn, you know, how yeah. are we going to go around this song? Because we definitely aren't probably going to pay for this clearance. Yep. Just little nuances. And as we talk about more so than nuances, just big dynamics. L.A., Hollywood. Mm-hmm. You're one of the most connected Detroiters to that market, most definitely, yeah. because of your ties there. Right. It's a few more of us, but yeah, 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 yeah. What's, what, what's, yeah. What, what have you found the difference between the, the field there, being an artist, doing comedy, and versus the field here in Detroit? Well, it's, uh, you know, it's L.A. Um, mm-hmm. That's where the industry is. Uh, the only other city comparable to it, I would say, would be New York. Uh, some people say Atlanta is a very is a hotbed for entertainment. It, it, it is, but there's nothing compared, nothing like L.A. Um, out of all the cities, maybe it's it's the industry. It's what it's, you know. It's it's a uh, nostalgic from that aspect. Um, you know, it's like going to school. You know what I'm saying? Like that's where you go. If you not if you if you haven't lived in L.A. or spent time there really working at the industry part of it, you, you're not going to understand. If you have, you, you understand exactly where I'm coming from. So what was it like when you were there and working at Grind? Um, man, it was. I loved it, man. Okay. I mean, I lived in L.A. seven years. Mm-hmm. So for me, man, it was, it was home. So, mm-hmm. you know, I loved it, man. Just get up in the mornings, man, run. That's another thing about L.A., man. It's, you know, subconsciously you become healthier, too. Mm-hmm. Say eat healthier. You know, that people that practice healthier habits, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So everybody's a little different. You know, so the thinking out there is a little freer. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? People aren't as vindictive, and you know, and, and as evil, even though you got mean people everywhere. But, yeah. you know, it's just a different place, man. You know what I'm saying? Okay. People pick up their trash and shit from their yard. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, they actually care a little bit about shit. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Not, not, not this in Detroit, but, man, we be doing some of the silliest. You know what I'm saying? It's like, come on, man. Clean the garbage is in your yard. It's right hey, there. Man, well, as soon as you walk out your house, you got a pile of garbage. <laughs> I just pulled up definitely <laughs> on my block, which I'm in the, in the rows of the hood, and I swear it's like about four garbage cans that never leave the street. <laughs> never get picked up. Ain't never roll it back to the that's side. Crazy, of the house. yeah, just, man, 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 that's crazy, man. It's, it's just it's just street garbage cans. <laughs> so you got so you got to imagine leaving from Detroit mm-hmm. and going to California. The mm-hmm. feel is totally different, man. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you got the ocean right there, and then you could. If you like, if you want to go skiing, you can go skiing and drive about an hour and a half, two hours north and go skiing. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you can be on the beach and skiing the same day. It's crazy. You know also, what I'm saying? So LA is a, it's a different place, man. It's a beautiful place to be. It changes your mentality and it makes you have a different perspective on everything. Now LA you know is another saying? place where you'll see like mega stars. So what's your, yeah. what's your what's your vibe? Down the especially street. now. In this whole era, as I, I have a very short list of people I would take a picture with. Like, <laughs> I take a picture with you because I know you. Right, You know, it's not like a very type of person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, are, oh, is it like when, you know, uh, Prince walks into a room, rest in right, peace? Right. Like, is it like one of those things like, yeah, that's Prince? Like, yeah, even like, in LA, you know, people, you know, they, people get starstruck in LA. They try not, they try to act like they don't, but they do. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Denzel walking the room, yeah, man. People start wrestling around. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's it's it goes on. You know you what I'm saying? Be like, yo, you gonna have to wait to get your Starbucks, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Washington. Nah, you know what, man? It's it's more so now in the public in the places like that, like. Public public places when you see people, people mm-hmm. tend to leave people alone. They don't really, mm-hmm. not a lot of, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, people acknowledge like, oh, that's my man or that's old mm-hmm. girl. You know, but they keep it moving. Because that's the beautiful thing about L.A. Those people are comfortable because that's where they live. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So people tend to leave stars alone in that fashion. You know what I'm saying? They acknowledge them and know they're there, mm-hmm. but they try to keep the peace because that's where people live. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. you know, like, live, live. You live to see anybody at a gas station, store, grocery store, anywhere. I mean, you, you know, anybody, you know, any like, who's who. Yeah, yeah. You'll from, be in a gas station. from old celebrities to new. You'd be like, oh, like, shit, they see you. Yeah, you're like, man, they still live. You know, what live, have you been doing? Living a quiet, comfortable 20, life, right? <laughs> 25. Chilling in LA, living. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. A, lot of, a lot of cats are living their life. I actually, life, so man. Yeah. I actually got a, uh, a story about that. When last time, or not last time, but like two times ago, I was recording a song. And the guy that I was recording, I was recording like he has his studio set up in his garage. Mm-hmm. And uh, Orange Juice Jones lived next door. <laughs> <laughs> Orange Juice Jones walked in on our session. He was like, remember the juice? I'm like, damn, that is Orange. Because he still had a thick-ass mustache. Okay, so like it look. was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I can tie it yeah. together. This is like, you know, and he chilling, he living his regular life, man. I mean, you know, cats yeah, is yeah. normal, you man. Know what I'm they just choose to live still in in L. A. because that's where their comfort zone is. Mm-hmm. They know they're not gonna get harassed. You know what I'm saying? There's still opportunity there. Something may come up where they may have to do something, record something, go mm-hmm. shoot something, and they're there. They're available, you know, to work still. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. You know, it's it's uh it's home, man, to, to celebrities. It's, now, it's, uh, how did you address to the L.A. pricing? Because L.A. pricing and New York pricing is crazy. Yeah. yeah. You can go to the bar, get two beers, and, yeah. and really have to be looking in your yeah. pockets like, damn. Yeah, yeah. You know what I did? I, I started uh, drinking before I went inside the club. You <laughs> <laughs> took your Detroit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let me at least get half drunk before I walk in this motherfucker. <laughs> I get in here, all right. I'm going to budget out for these two drinks. <laughs> like, all right, all right, $50. Man, you you got to be smart, man. If you don't have money to ball out or be do all, don't do it. You know, mm-hmm. you can go and be in a social atmosphere, man, and be sociable without spending, you know, breaking your bank. You know what I mean? You just got to be smart. You can't always ball out like that. You know what I'm saying? And you can't yes. go to every place. If you're going to three places in one night, you can't ball out of every like, spot if you don't have the money like that. I'm going to give you guys a, a, a Kari Frazier tip from my traveling. If you're on South Beach, you're in Manhattan, you're downtown Chicago, or if you're in any primetime spot in L.A., don't have the pride to not ask what the price of that drink is mm-hmm. <laughs> before you bite. Don't just be like, hey, you want that martini? Right. There you go. Yeah. You may yeah. have just bought a $45 martini. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, And that's serious. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got to be careful, man. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, keep your shit simple. Vodka and cranberry. <laughs> well drinks. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right. Give her a well drink. Yeah, man, yeah, yeah. So. Until, until you can, you know, you know, because, you know, you got to understand. There's a lot of perks in living in L.A. Mm-hmm. or being in New York if you know the right people. Mm-hmm. So there are freebies and there are all kinds oh, of yeah, things that imagine. you can get. 
it, depending on who you are and you know what I'm saying, how you network and all those type of things. So, you know, you get mm-hmm. there are things and there are benefits, you know what I'm saying? That you just have to know who's who. That's a part of your swag and all of that kind Definitely. of stuff. You know kind of like saying? even being here, like I tell um, I tell all people, you know, which I'm not as connected per se and never really been so much connected. Mm-hmm. But I was like, you know, it's so funny that I see all these young dudes chasing and having their moms buy them Cartier's and mm-hmm. buy them Pelletelli's. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm really from the hood. I don't know anybody that paid full price for Cartier's in my life. <laughs> right. But I know somebody that get them all the time. Right, right, right. You don't right. even know how much Real they one, right. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. He been boosting since. Yeah, 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 man. I mean, you know, but you know who's you know who's who yeah, to be able to get be in line with the, know, with the right stuff. You, you gotta know, know who's who. Yeah. And, and and speaking of that, setting up jokes more on the technical side. Mm-hmm. So when you started writing your jokes, how, how did it go? Did you like just you know jot them down? Did you work on premises? Did you try them out on people? You know, like, I, I wrote mine down. To be honest, I still write stuff down. I write my whole set out too, um, still every now and then. You know what I'm saying? Um, writing things down, man, helped helped me. That was my formula, helping me mm-hmm. remember structure, helping me remember exactly what to say on certain parts because certain lines, certain things, you know, make the joke stick. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you always got your setup, your de- your delivery, and your punchline. That's what the three steps of comedy set delivery punch, but you always want to make sure, I always want to make sure that my setups were strong. Mm-hmm. You know, like the way I'm setting up the joke to you is already funny. But you, but by the time you get to my delivery and the way I'm going to tell you what it is to, to punchline you, to make you laugh, I'm, I've already had you. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So writing it out to me was the best way to get to do that. You know what I'm saying? And I, I think within your setups was so funny uh, as you will tell the stories, because you have a lot of. Sometimes you'll go down the lane of uh, family stories, yeah. and then uh-huh. somewhat in the past. But you'll fight. You'll yeah. you'll build a setup and maybe fire off like five, six jokes in that same. Right. Right. You know. Right. right. Within that same little setup. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like where you're not right. even just going to. Let me go to the next joke. Mm-hmm. Let me go to the next joke. Yeah. And then almost like you a, build layers. It's like making a cake. Mm-hmm. Keep layering it, keep layering it. You know what I'm saying? Before you get to the icing, you already got three or four layers. You know what I'm saying? And now the icing is really the icing on the cake. You and then the, so. the the voice. I'm guessing that may come from the performance and drama because it's like an infliction you build, just right. almost like a rapper where you can <laughs> where you can raise the tone, right. lower the tone, right. stay at the same volume. Right. You know, like especially like that joke where you like. Um, I think you're going like with your grandma where you saying sit down. Right, right. It's like sit your ass down. Right, 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 right. And then it's like in that same rhythm, like the beat is like you get into a rhythm with, with material, man. You know, you do them enough, you know, you get into a rhythm, it's like you said, it's, it's it's like singing. You know what I'm saying? You start getting into your flow. Only thing about comedy is sometimes you gotta be careful. Cause you can get into the, too much of a rhythm mm-hmm. and it'll you know what I'm saying, won't seem natural enough. So comedy is kinda yeah, you can get into the rhythm. Sometimes people want to hear the rhythm, but then sometimes people want you to kind of do, be kind of organic with it as well. You know what I'm saying? You know, give me something new with it. Give me a different twist on it. Give me a different take. I still like the bit, but give me something different. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of, that's the challenge of comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're not Tony Braxton, using that as yeah. an example, going back to that. We're not, you know what I'm saying? Um yeah. Rick Ross, or we're not Drake. We want to hear not, them do the same song. Yeah, we want to hear the same song, and we're gonna appreciate that the way they do it and all that. With comedy, 
we want the same premises sometimes, but we want you to say it differently twist it. and twist it and, and give us something else too. Mm-hmm. We don't want all the same, but we like that topic you touched on, but we don't want you to do it the exact same way all the time. You know, with comedy, it's, it's, it's weird like that. You know what I'm saying? They, mm-hmm. People love their comedians, but even their favorite comedian, you know what I'm saying? Mike Epps, oh man, I love Mike Epps, but man, he keep doing the same you know, I've seen him do that before. They don't understand how hard my gaps, how hard it is to maintain and stay funny and stay relevant and continue to perform at a high level. They don't even understand the, the depth of that. So if he touches on some of the same material, some people get disappointed. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, shit, this man got to do an hour and a half a performance, a new one. He's been here 10 times. So you know what I'm saying? How do you, what do you expect from him? You know what I'm saying? So that's what I mean by sometimes we were talking about it earlier, going back to the expectations for comedians is so high and sometimes unrealistic, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, from a fan base because they think that it's, it's, just, it's easy to be that creative, and it's not. That's extremely difficult, and it takes a lot of talent to be able to maintain at a high level and be funny. And as you talk about that main thing, you know what I'm saying? That's and a being whew, man. When do you add in? As I think that you know, it's it's a couple comedians I, I just love always seeing them, mm-hmm. and it's but I really don't like the theater show because I feel like mm-hmm. the theater show is generally when I run into that more right. so. But I know a theater show has a different premise. It is. I it's like the, yep. the comedy club feel more so right because it just feels well, like the they'll try something. They, they, they will try. They will try more. They generally you do. Wouldn't. You, you are looser in a smaller comedy club atmosphere than you are in a the theater because you're in a the theater, so it's like, okay, I got to do go through my motions, you know what I'm saying, my, through my progression, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? You know, hit my parts, hit my main bit. It's a theater, it's a lot of people, you know, you don't want to take a lot of chances doing nothing new in a theater. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a comedy club, it's more intimate, you can take the chances, people are more up on you, they can kind of feel you a little more, so it's different, you're able to stretch a little bit and try more. Okay, and as we talk you know about stretching so. and trying more, you've been on stage. You probably been on stage so many times you can't even Got think it. about how many times yeah. you've been on stage. Yeah. You probably spent more time on stage <laughs> than off stage. Than almost maybe, maybe, maybe like up through grade school or something. Yeah, yeah I've been on stage a lot, man. A lot so of shows, all the time. What stands out as one of the most crazy things that you've seen? On stage, and you even have in in uh, the DVD I got of you like like a little bit of a back and forth, and mm-hmm. I know hecklers don't exist, but what's one of the craziest things you remember that you've seen on stage? From a from a perspective from the audience, like something they did, or either or it could be from the audience. I, or a, I just did a show not long ago, and somebody mm-hmm. a fight broke out right at the end of my show. At the end of your show, right at the end of my set, where where set, at? Like right above me on the balcony, right right, right above my head. Oh man. <laughs> so, so okay, so and, and I did, I, the show was very. I did a good show. Wasn't like they was mad. So, like, I did bad and start fighting. So when, that, <laughs> but, so when that happens, do you acknowledge it? Yeah, absolutely. You gotta acknowledge that. Yeah, immediately I acknowledged it. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> what the hell's going on? What I'm doing. I'm like everybody relax. It's all good. We will get you know, we'll get them out of here, and we, you know I keep going. Maybe do some bits to keep them. You know. Mm-hmm. Make the situation funny because I try not to let people make people panic mm-hmm. when things like that happen. You know what I mean? Because it's easy. You know, like, oh, they fighting! Yeah, you know, to make everybody. Yeah, I didn't want to do that. You know what I'm saying? So you got to be. That's where professionalism come in again. You know what I'm saying? And know how to deal with that situation at that moment. 
Yeah. But yeah, I done had people do all kind of stuff, man. People fight, man. I done, all kind of stuff. I done seen it all. And then, like, even from it. People walk out. Yeah. Man, they, I did a show in New York, man, and I'm telling you, they bumped me all the way. And what it means being bumped, they don't understand. They keep a, moving you back. Keep moving you back. Somebody else keep coming in. Somebody else. You know, I was a spot called the Boston Comedy Club in New York. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, I mean, everybody was coming. And. Man, I was first on the list to go up, and I wound up getting bumped all the way to the last person on the list. And when I went up, everybody walked out. Mm. <laughs> everybody walked out. Mm. Two people stayed. Ain't that something? Dave Chappelle went up right before me. All kind of people went up, but Dave Chappelle was the last comedian to go up before, before I went you. Up. And he just. <laughs> The air out Man, this is this is right before the Chappelle show came out too. So this is mm. some years ago. Yeah, but he was super hot. Yeah, on the you know what I'm saying. Went up, man. And shit. when they introduced me, last comedian, man, people just start getting up before I even got on stage. Yeah, they didn't even care how funny. They was. didn't give a damn. Good. They didn't know who I was. Mm. Howie Bell, who? <laughs> oh, man. That's the act- and the it- two people that stayed, right? They said, "Man, we just wanted to stay, just to see what you was gonna say." And then, like everybody walked out. You know what's so funny about that, though? <laughs> and, and I tell this to all the young rappers I run into, and it's it's so true. Mm-hmm. If you can rock the stage, and it's only two or five people, mm-hmm. those people will be your fans for life. They will. Those people, they'll they be like, "Yo, I I like him." Man, I love this guy. I went up there and was like, well, damn, y'all didn't give me a chance to do shit. The two people <laughs> said that they died laughing. It was like three or four people maybe walking out. I think they was laughing on the way out the door. They was like, man, they was like, everybody's like, man, we going downstairs to the after uh-huh. party. It was like an after party downstairs at the club. Yeah. I mean, it was like nothing I could really do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then my man that hosted it was like, hey, talent. I don't know if you can comedian. Yeah, yeah, comedian. the comedian talent. He was hosting. He was like, don't worry about it, man. I'll get you back. Got me back in the club. I did well. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? The next time I came back. You know what I'm me a better spot and all that. Cool, but it was cool. just one of my early days of learning how anything can happen. Pay you know dues. what I'm saying? Yeah, man. Anything can happen, man. You, yeah. you know pay, what I mean? Paying dues. Yeah. Yep. Paying pay dues. dues. Paying dues is a hardcore part of this business, man. I I remember being uh, outside the Laugh Factory in in L.A. and there's an open mic. It's on Tuesdays, like a potluck night, mm-hmm. and people get there and like well, and when I was doing it, and they probably still do if they still doing it, getting there like seven thirty, eight o'clock in the morning to be mm-hmm. in line to sign the list to go up to perform at eight o'clock that night. <laughs> so you had to be there all day, or you lose your spot in line. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like it's that. Like, it's like it's like uh, what is it? It's Black Friday. That serious, yeah, man. Yeah. I'm talking about people getting there at seven thirty, eight o'clock in the morning, man, to sign that list to wait all day to get three minutes on stage at eight o'clock at night. Yeah. So God forbid in those three minutes if you ain't. Oh killing. man, you you done? You just wasted a whole day of your life. You know what I'm saying? Like seriously. Mm-hmm. So that's how intense. It is, and, and, and how important it is for these, a lot of young comics, man, don't understand. It's important to respect that microphone time, that time to get you on stage, man, because you may never get it back. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And if you're trying to develop yourself in this career, you got to take it serious. Every time somebody give you the microphone, man, you got to treat that like, this is my last time being able to perform. And then you carry that through the next show and the next one and the next one, and next thing you know, you've created... Uh, some kind of formula for yourself. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, some kind of 
habit. You know what I'm saying? That you do a routine that you get into to make sure that you getting the most out of every time that you perform, man. So paying those dues, man, really helped me understand and respect the comedy game from that perspective. perspective. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's not easy. You know what I'm saying? How? Um, so. What advice do you offer to the younger comedian right now that's sitting around saying, all right, I really want to do this. I really want to make some money because you and I know some of the same younger guys. Mm-hmm. And I know dudes that have been putting in work 25, 30 years. It's it's a marathon, not a sprint. But what advice do you say to that guy trying to stay on the grind, saying, I want to do this full time, making that transition? What should they do? Don't sit around. You got to get up. You got to go. You got to do stuff. You can't sit around. Detroiters in general, I'm going to speak to Detroit right now. We got a bad habit of sitting around talking. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And not doing. That's a Detroit crutch. You know what I'm saying? We talk a lot, man, but we don't do shit. We we got we can talk your ass off. You know what I'm saying? We can make you feel a certain way and all that. We're really good talkers. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to action, a lot of us don't do a damn thing. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And we just sit around and we talk and we never implement. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. We even get mad when other people do shit and they make moves. You know what I'm saying? It's like as if we want to keep sitting around and then talking too. Let's just all talk. No, man. People got to – somebody has to act on something. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, to, so we got to start being implementers. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to being, you know, you know, talkers, man. I mean, that, that talking is just does nothing. You know what I mean? But talk. Mm-hmm. And so when you get off, off your butt and you get to moving and you start getting in these places you need to get to, talking to the right people that you need to talk to, with a conversation that actually means something, then you'll understand, oh man, I'm missing out on something sitting in my living room mm-hmm. or on the phone talking about what I'm gonna do. You know what I'm saying? Or sitting on social media putting together memes about shit. You know that don't mean nothing. You know what I'm saying? Get out here in the world. Mm-hmm. If you know my advice to a young community, if you know where it's comedy at, go. Go hang out. You never know if they're gonna give you a chance or opportunity. If you keep it going, you'll get there. Now, more so than any game, I do think that comedians are more open and accepting to offer advice and love and take mm-hmm. under their wing younger comedians mm-hmm. more so than any other form of entertainment where, you know, you'll see uh, possibly yeah. if you could get – if you're a comedian – it's almost like you're in a fraternity or like yeah. a club or something where you could end up next to yeah, Kevin Hart. Like, yo, I'm yeah. a comedian, and it's like, yeah, come on, it's the love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we all you understand. You can't walk up to DMX or Jay Z right. like, hey, I'm a rapper. Right. Jay Z, like, <laughs> right, right, right. Security, right. You know, absolutely. Yeah, comedy is one of them businesses, man. Um, you know, you can be from, like you said, from a high grade A list comedian like Cedric Entertainer all the way down to local. Joe. Joe, yeah, mm-hmm. man. They'll be all could be in the same place very well, share the same stage that night. You know what I'm saying? So it is like that. Because because people understand the struggle. Mm-hmm. How hard it is. So even if you knew, people understand, okay, you know, you 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 trying this, so you must have some kind of heart, you know what I mean, about yourself, so you get accepted into it. You now, know what I'm saying? People understand that, the grind. Within that heart and having that grind, how do you start pricing things out? How do you start going from the transition of like, okay, that's, I need to hit every stage to how much am I supposed to charge? That's different. Now, that goes to the next level. You know what I'm saying? Um, you start usually learning how to price things when people start telling you kind of what you're worth. To be honest, I know it sounds weird, but, you know, when people start offering you 
okay, here's a hundred dollars, or here's fifty dollars, or here's you know that you start to feel okay, and then the more shows you do, the better you get. You, you, your money will go up. You know, here's two fifty now. You know, mm-hmm. here's four. You know what I'm saying? And then you start to understand and get the feel. You know what I'm saying of how what it's supposed to be. You know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and then you can gauge. You, it's kind of less a kind of a learning on the job thing, because all comedians aren't created equal. You know what I'm saying. Everybody has different levels of comedy, different mm-hmm. levels of professionalism, different levels of strength as far as you know what they're capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Some people can perform in corporate. Some people can do clubs. Some people can do it all. Some people can host concerts. Some people can do. You feel me? And some people are still rookies, and some people are not. You know, so that price thing. Categorizing gets a little technical. That's more of a, you know what I'm saying, technical part of it. And then it's what you can negotiate for yourself as well. You know what I, I'm saying? I agree. And from a So that's in there too. You know what I mean? Some mm-hmm. some people may, may feel like they're only worth two hundred fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. Somebody may feel like they're worth twenty five hundred. So it mm-hmm. depends on how you can convince who you're dealing with. And if their budget matches your your negotiation, yeah, yeah then, then it works. I, I think from a promoter's perspective, it's one thing that I do think all promoters should know, and I've thrown different things from rap to music to mm-hmm. everything. When you hire talent, whatever that talent is, especially nowadays in this day and era, and I'm number one on it, I want you to post it on your social media, mm-hmm. I want you to stir your pot, I want you to do this, I want you to do that, and I'm even saying this to me, mm-hmm. listening as I'm putting this up. Right. When you hire talent, what you're hiring the talent to do is to perform. Yep. Hopefully, you have a level of influence with your peers and your network. I'm talking to you, promoter, that they are interested in who that talent is. So you match that talent with whatever the event is, and people say, wow, I do like Howie Bell, and Howie Bell performing on that stage under this event is a perfect match mm-hmm. but you can't expect the name of whomever that talent is and i mean even kevin hart or mm-hmm. jay-z or beyonce to just draw in the crowd that they have for that joe lewis show or that whatever show right. because those people put the right variables together it's about who that promoter's influence has over their pocket of fans and ticket sellers mm-hmm. and who that talent is but talent perform Work with those promoters, but always know, you know, don't be so willing to say, yeah, I'm gonna pack it out. I'm gonna give you yeah. ten thousand people. Be like, look, I'm gonna give you my show. And not only that, too, some help. some promoters need to understand to stop putting their personal feelings about an artist in there because I've mm-hmm. seen promoters book who they like mm-hmm. and may not necessarily be the best fit for the show. What you what you're talking yeah. about? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You got to get over that part, you know, as a promoter. True. You know, I like him, so, or I think he's funny. Well, you might think he's funny, but on a broader scale, he might not be yeah. the best talent. You know what I'm saying? Like, True. everybody else don't believe that. You know, in comedy, you find that a lot. Like, promoters real book their boys or their friends or people or individuals who they think are funny, mm-hmm. but not necessarily, they booking the wrong guy. With the wrong the money and the, the, and the wrong yeah. show they doing, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that can give people a false sense of what they worth too. Yeah, you know, if you got a promoter that likes you, he booking you, giving you three stacks, but everybody else been giving you four five hundred dollars. That might let you know, you know, you're what probably I'm saying? closer to that four or five hundred. You probably closer to that four or five hundred dollars in reality because everybody not your boy like that are gonna put that kind of money in your pocket just because mm-hmm. you cool with them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he just looking out for you, but that ain't necessarily what your value is. 
So you can't sit around like when certain artists do churches. They perform in churches, and churches tend to pay a little more money. They think that when they come out of the church circuit, that when they get on the regular circuit, that they're supposed to get that same amount of money, and that's just not how it works. You know what I'm saying? Certain churches have money allocated, you know what I'm saying, for their budget differently than maybe a promoter would do or a club or something like that. It's totally different business. You know what I'm uh, saying? That kind of goes right into what I said. A church is a perfect place where they have a captive audience. (laughs) Right, right, right. If if pastor everybody buys a ticket, Everybody, Everybody gonna buy a ticket. ticket. That's right. <laughs> and yep. they set the price. And they right. know what's too high, what's too Pastor low. Pastor gonna say so, we got a comedy show, y'all. Y'all sit back yeah. and enjoy. You got and, a and great they, audience. You gonna have a, you know, yeah. attentive. They gonna buy your products. Yeah. They gonna do everything the right way. And that's a false sense sometimes not of who you are. You know what I'm saying? As an artist, mm-hmm. because you're you may not be as good as they're telling you that you are. And that mm-hmm. sounds harsh to some people right now. What I'm saying, mm-hmm. but that's real. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes it gives you a fault. Now, what it can do is boost your confidence of what it should do mm-hmm. when you do shows like that that are perfect set up for you and all that. This should definitely help your confidence. Not mm-hmm. saying that it should do that. But you shouldn't be too quick to think that you are more or better than what you really are. A lot of times artists get caught up in that when they're in them cookie-cutter situations where everything is perfectly set up for them to do well. Yeah. They think that this is how they are. It's like, this is the money I'm supposed to it's get. It's like you walk on that not, court and you playing with the two best guys. It's like, yeah, you're going to be on the court all day. Right. You ain't even you just right. running up and down the court. Like, right. oh, you got that squad, but really... You ain't really asking. You, you really ain't. Yeah, these guys made you look good. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So uh-huh. you get with two other regular players, you know? Yeah, like, Yo, well, I thought my man could run. Can't Damn, really right, right. <laughs> <laughs> he just got ran off. Yeah. <laughs> 12 yep. to 4. Yeah, so there is a there is a thin line there, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And as far as getting back to what you were saying originally about pricing and how do you get into the money aspect and what do you know your value is and what you should charge and things like that. And all of those things are contingent upon who you are individually. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, people have managers, too, that can help them out with that. Let's talk about um, that a little bit. As as yeah. I've always been so independent, I've always been like, what are you going to manage? How are you going to manage? And what's so strange now is I think I could actually work with some different artists and help them with some management. But what role does it, do you feel a manager serves for any artist? Uh, structure. Okay. An organization. Mm-hmm. To me, that's what my what I would see a manager as. Mm-hmm. Um, a manager helps out people that are younger too. Younger artists tend to need more of management. You know what I'm saying? Because they're young, may need advice. They may need you know somebody to give them some sound you know advice on how to handle a situation or how to present themselves. That's management. Okay. Molding and training and mm-hmm. showing you how to do things from their perspective, but even though you may be experiencing something different, they're at least giving you some kind of guideline, Mm -hmm. some kind of, you know, some kind of skeleton to work with, you know what I'm saying, to to strengthen up you as an artist. To me, that's what a manager is. So should they have ties already or... What's what's the advantage of possibly working with? Okay, my auntie, she's real good with business. She's worked at GM all her life, and she just there is an advantage to that. Somebody that's just a really good business savvy person, Mm -hmm. they can without many ties, they can transcend themselves into being good managers. You know what I'm saying? That that works. You know, it's going to be a little trial and error time go Mm -hmm. by, but you know, if that's somebody you can trust, I say roll with them. Okay. Um, But what about the people with a lot of ties? But you may hear those people are good too. Okay. Only if 
they can spend time with you. Because, see, some people, those people are bogged down. They got other artists. Maybe they got people that are more making them more money. Mm-hmm. And they can't put the time into you as the True. new guy. You know what I'm saying? Because they don't have, because they're making money with this guy. Yeah, it makes sense. You know what I'm saying? So, all right, I want to manage this new artist, but yeah. now I got to work to get them to the point to where they need to be to make money with them, too. And a lot of artists, managers, excuse me, don't have the patience for that. Mm-hmm. They want to take you on and keep you away from other people, but they don't have the patience to develop you. That's called artist development. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's a thin line between using somebody that's not in the business, that's very business savvy and may have degrees, or somebody that's in the business mm-hmm. that that's business savvy, that, that has the networks and connections, but don't have the energy or the time to spend developing you as an artist. So once again, <laughs> getting into a, kind of a catch twenty two of the yeah. business where, who do I hire? Somebody that really loves me and care about me, or somebody that don't really know me but got the connections? It's a, you know what I mean. I'm being pulled torn this way. My auntie may want to very well do this, but shit, she don't know who the hell to call. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? My man over here can do it all, put me right in the position, but, but not they ain't giving me the time this. of day. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So. Mm-hmm. How do you, you got to find you somewhere in the middle, some kind of person in the middle? Or how, yeah, how do you make that decision? It's tough. It's based on you individually in your life and how you live it. You know, some things are based on that. You know, how you how much time you have. Mm-hmm. You know, me, I haven't had a manager in a long time. So, you know, for me, I wouldn't, at this point in my career, a manager would almost not be necessary, but mm-hmm. an agent is better. Like, I don't have an agent right now. I would love an agent right now. I would love an agency to come and represent me right now. I think I could make an agency some money right now. Mm-hmm. I got value. You know what I'm saying? But a manager, maybe for me, maybe too late. You okay. know what I'm saying? Okay, now let's talk about an agent. What's the role yeah. of an agent? Because when I think the difference between an agent and a manager, just from the role of music, an agent already has many deals already. They're willing and they're basically... An agent looks at an artist as as this artist's work is a commodity that I have to offer, almost mm-hmm. like it's a stock to trade. Whereas mm-hmm. a manager looks at an artist like, okay, I'm going to get this artist up to a point where mm-hmm. they have a commodity right, right. to sell. Right. And make sure that they can handle when they are selling, you know, they right. get their travel arrangements right, and, mm-hmm. you know, everything is handled. So... Agent is more of uh, they can put you right in front of who needs to see you to cash you for that particular mm-hmm. production. So an agent, whether it's a, whether you're music or acting, mm-hmm. or modeling or whatever, it's kind of almost kind of the same. You know, same premise. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You, you get put your agent or agents get you in front of the people that are going to cast this show. You know what I'm saying? Or cast this film. You know what I'm saying, or or book this concert. You know what I'm saying. So the agency gets you in the door to be seen, mm-hmm. to possibly book yourself a show, a gig, or a job. Okay. Managers don't necessarily get you in front of the agent. I mean, in front of the casters. You know, or the bookers. Mm-hmm. Some can. You know what I'm saying. But managers typically are there really for structure. Um, maybe they can get you meetings with some. You know what I'm saying? Some some agents that can get you to that next step. But, you know, the agent them, themselves are a little bit closer to your mark or where you need to be. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The agent is really there to, to you know, get you right where you need to be seen, whether they're going to make a decision or not. So okay. that's you're getting closer to your goal when you're with an agent, more so than a manager. Even though a manager can get you close as well, 
Some managers go, do go above and beyond, do a little more. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, the agent is the one that's going to get you closer to your mark to be seen to make something tangibly happen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That makes sense? Perfect. Perfect. You know what I'm saying? So. Mm-hmm. Now, within the Detroit city limits, as this is Detroit is different, one of the big things, and I've always had this dream, and you hear this from a lot of different people, which I, I remember when Coco's was here, and uh, rest in peace, Joe. Joe mm-hmm. was. Joe was yep. definitely a G. I, yep. I love Joe and Leonard. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And also, you know, you had uh, what was happening with bees and all jokes aside. What What do you think is the determining factor why a city as big as Detroit and with so many comedians and so much talent within the city limits, there aren't any comedy clubs? I think that had a lot. That has a lot to do with personal people and investments and things like that. I don't think it's the city itself. I think it's just uh, somebody having the interest to create one. Now there are a couple of comedy clubs coming though. Okay. Um, there's one, a new one, going to be in Southfield. I know uh, Punchline by Punchline, Ty. Yeah. Uh, from District 81. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Man, Ty. Yeah. And um, and then there's another one um, going to be in the Eastern Market. Uh, Mike okay. Bonner and uh, Daryl Earl. Uh, those two guys are creating the comedy club in the Eastern Market. So you got you know you got a couple coming, but. Yeah, um, for a long time it was amazing, you know, how the comedy, local comedy scene kind of fell off in Detroit as far as comedy clubs, you know, because at one time it was a lot of comedy clubs here, you know what I mean? And people that remember know mm-hmm. that Detroit had a lot of a lot of comedy clubs, a lot of good comedians was coming out of here and everything. So, you know, we still got a lot of good comics. Um, it's just a matter of uh, creating those venues again, man. I think that those all deal with personal people and their investments and things like that. That's just a money situation, you know, an individual interest. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. What's the What's the advantage as we talk about, like, it's, it's become one of those things where, you know, you have some solid weeklies. I'm going to have uh, definitely great friend of yours and great friend of mine and kind of like a, a, a big brother in Kool-Aid. And he mm-hmm. has a couple weeklies. Yep. Well, he has a monthly and a weekly. Yep. What's the advantage of having a monthly or a weekly if you are a comedian? Um. Well, you know, it keeps you working. You know yeah. what I'm saying. It keeps you going. It keeps you. You know, it keeps keeps you fresh. Keeps you. You know, as far as your topics and your your comedy and uh, you know, it can keep you going. There's a lot of advantages to it. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like a, it's like your own personal gym where you working out at. Do you feel you like it, it dilutes the brand any or? No. Um. I, I think it's good. I think it's needed. You know what I'm saying? If you're a good enough comic to hold it down, I think it's needed. I even think that new comedians should develop a weekly rooms. I think that the Honestly, I think the weekly rooms are more built for new comedians, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I think the monthly room is more for the veteran, but I think the weekly get, can be done by a vet or a new jack, but they're needed. No, they are. I don't think that dilutes the brand at all. I think it's necessary because you got to have a place for these people to work out at, perform mm-hmm. at. You know what I'm saying? Where can they develop? Where can they get better? Where can they... Mm-hmm. You need somewhere to, opportunity yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to get on stage. Once again, these crowds need to become more comedy savvy, <laughs> you know, and understand <laughs> that these people can meet every show you go to, the free goddamn comedy show that you're going to, you're not going to get the same show at the Fox. So you need to stop expecting these comedians to blow you out to blow the show out the water. But I can't say this, though. And this is a free show on a Monday night. I can't say this. It's too, and that's the other thing I compare rap to, to comedy in. Even when it's bad, sometimes watching a comedian bomb, uh-huh. <laughs> it's sometimes like a, a, a feeling that it's like, damn, how is he going to try to get out of this one? Yeah. It's like such an uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah. It's like you watching, you you want to turn away, mm-hmm. but you can't turn away. It's like a scene in a scary movie or something where you just looking and it's like, damn, how is he gonna get out of this? And that's the that's what people need to start looking at. Like if I go to this comedy show, I know it's an open mic or I know it's on a weekday. I'm gonna get some comedians that aren't very good, so I need to be just as a mm-hmm. be patient as a consumer. You know what I'm saying? That maybe one or two of these guys are gonna really knock mm-hmm. my socks off. You know, there's a couple other ones that may not. Ooh. And I need to approach it like that. You know what I'm saying? If this uh-huh. is a $5, $10 comedy show, let me please, man, not, not expect that I'm at the music hall. You know what I'm saying? I think that that's yeah. where people don't enjoy themselves at. It's like, man, these comedians yeah. ain't, okay, but you got to give them, you know, have fun, relax, eat, drink, and just yeah. chill. You know what I'm saying? And then you catch one to get you, you won for the uh, night. You know what I'm saying? When a comedian <laughs> starts bombing and they start oh, talking the worst, to themselves in third oh, it's person. Horrible. Oh, it's horrible. Like, Man, I guess y'all sick of seeing what I gotta say. Yeah, like, oh, I was talking. Oh, you lost. He just hit the corner. Yeah, and yeah. then it's like, oh, this is when it gets interesting. How's he gonna try to get out of this one? Does yep. he have more jokes? Does he not have more jokes? Usually, it, it don't end. It don't end well when no. they start doing that. But I assume that's yeah. really where you learn. That is where you learn. And then it's like, okay, this is what I'll try. The next, next time. time, right, right. The next this time I come up here time. and I get caught in the spot, I'm not gonna say that. Or yeah. I'm not gonna do this. Or I'm not gonna do that. That's where they learn, develop. And when I think about this or that, some of the bad things I've done in doing events in the past, I put comedians in bad spots. I remember I had a comedian perform at a halftime of a basketball game. That was a horrible spot. Oh, God. I had a, I had oh, a comedian perform. In a gym like with all kind oh, of people. Uh, it, it was horrible. I had a comedian he probably got perform booed. at like his art show. It was tough. <laughs> It was tough for him. But in yeah. my mind, this was like back when I really didn't respect it as talk an art Talk about that form. fit that you're talking about. Knowing yeah, how where the yeah, fit people went and knowing people. that. <laughs> how do you, what were some of the strangest places you performed at? I've done stuff like that in the gym. I've done, man, I mean, some wild shows where it's like they don't want to hear no comedy. Exactly. So what's your response when, when that Try happens? to do something that they like, something wild. Just come up with something, anything, have fun with them, mm-hmm. some crowd response stuff, start talking to them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Hey, what y'all feel about this? <laughs> you know, yeah. just start getting them to be on your side some kind of way. Uh-huh. You know, that's the only thing you can do. Or if you try to start talking material jokes, you're going to get booed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I've been in this situation where it's no, you can't be a comedian right now. I got to be a hype man. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? I got to turn into, all right, y'all, so what up with me? They're ready to party. Let's, let's go. You know, you got to turn into a different guy. Or you're going to lose. And you know actually, what I'm saying? You know what's so funny as you talk about that? One of the best events, and you actually did do comedy. One of the best events I went to in a long time. And that may have been, that may have been back in, I think that may have been back in 08. It was like right when you kind of moved back. It was, okay. you did an event with Blanks. Okay. And it was at St. Mm-hmm. Regis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That event was yeah, like such yeah. a cool mix. That was my birthday life. party. Oh yeah, that party yeah, was amazing because it was party. such a cool yeah. mix of comedy, and it was like a party. Yeah, it was like a good feel. I, I was right. like, man, what do you got? And I know, like me and probably everybody that came, like, when yeah. y'all doing that again? Yeah, that was. And then Blank looked at me like, man, you know how hard this was just pull off. First. It was. <laughs> man, we had almost we had like two thousand people at that place, man. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah, it was. It was a lot. It was packed. It was amazing, and I'm pretty yeah. sure that yeah, you probably hear that yeah. to this day. I had, like, fool- doing that yeah, I had foolish hosting, and um, man, that was incredible. It was my birthday party, man. That was so. That was that was nine years ago. I was turning 35, mm. so I'm 44 now. So mm. that was nine years ago. 
Yeah, that that yeah. was yeah. an amazing mix yeah. of comedy yeah. and party. It was what it was like the perfect yeah. fit. It was nice, like as man. you talk about the whole, yeah. and then it was enough people dressed up. You could enjoy it. it. You could come yeah. with your girl if you yeah. wanted. If you were single, you could still, you know. And it mm -hmm. wasn't no, you know, nothing. Nobody got into no crazy fights or nah, no none of cussing that. or nothing nah. like that. Nah, man, it was you, cool. It could have. I think you cool. could have been in the age range to up to like you know late seventies. Yeah, you could have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, just twenty one. And I had I had people come from out of town for that, man. I had um, not just artists. I'm talking about just people. Mm -hmm. You know, one of my boys, Ryan Stewart, he used to play for the Lions. Uh, he had a show called the Two Live Stews. It was a national yeah yeah sports show. You heard of Two yeah, Live Stews? Yeah. He, my boy Ryan Stewart, who was also a Q, one of my frat brothers, he came up, man, and and you know just came up the party. You know, flew in town. You know what I'm saying? But it was a lot of little who's who, man, that, hung, that came to that party. That party was nice, man. Yeah, that was the best birthday parties I ever had. That was <laughs> you talk about an event. That was one. That was that a prime was time one of event the best right events. there. And, yeah. and I remember just the lead up and the build up to it. Yeah. It was it was really cool. Yeah. The holy night, it, you know, the food, the drinks, the service. Mm -hmm. It was on point. I was like, damn. They really good promoters helped me out with that. I don't know if you know making. My man, yes. making, yeah, Darnell, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember Blanks was on it. Yeah, yeah you had like some of the. Uh, you basically had like the All Star team from the uh, <laughs> Black Expo Conference. Yeah. Like, right, right, from right. From the Black Expo Conference, like, all right, we're gonna do this comedy from, job uh, <laughs> <laughs> from, from Black entrepreneurship yeah. to helping yeah. this entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and at that time, because everybody was doing their thing too. I remember Detroit uh, entrepreneurship. Those guys, man, they were doing their thing at the time. Mm -hmm. making and, and everybody it was just a good fit. You mm -hmm. know, at the time, it was just a perfect marriage to far for that party, man. It was off. That party was uh, that was epic. Yeah, people yeah. still talk about it. that's funny. Yeah. You brought that I mean, up. People that still was talk about that party. The event yeah. that I think yeah. blended the whole yeah. idea. Like, damn, if if I to think yeah. thought about like it was it was like uh for for instance, if you wanted to think of it in a movie sense, like how I guess how like in Oakland they had the players ball for yeah. the match. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. This it was a close for. <laughs> it's like a players ball yeah. of comedians or something. I met my wife at that party. For real? Yeah. Wow. Just for you know meeting her for the very first time. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I met him while you know, years later, sure, we, we get married. She was like, I was there too. I met her. Yeah, she came with some other girls I knew from Chicago. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they just came and hung out. At that the party, party is going down. Yeah. One of the, the, the parties was like, <laughs> right, right. Most definitely. Detroit St. Regis had just remodeled and they was back on. And it was yeah. like, so everything just was perfect. You know, everything that happened to make that event. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely an event I was proud of. One of, one of. one of the ones, man, that I helped produce and create. And that was, man, and, and made some money too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was like, well, it business. was perfect. Only black guy we got from that event, man, is. Somebody stole the the flat screen out the bathroom in oh, the man. lobby. Ain't that something? You, yeah, Ain't that, that was the only black guy. The same Regis called us up. You know, they 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 people stole the TV. They stole two TVs mm. out the out the lobby. Like either one of them was in the lobby, one of them was in the bathroom. Because I think they had flat screens in the bathroom. But that was mm -hmm. the only black guy that I was hate. I was and like, that's, that's I was like, man, how y'all yeah. gonna come to my party and steal the TV? The people that got the you know what I'm saying? yeah, they got the TVs, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's the only thing, man. We 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 do it to ourselves, man. You yeah, know what I'm yeah. saying? Mm -hmm. It was a couple car break-ins too, you know, mm -hmm. which is kind of somewhat to be expected when you and got that, that is, many yeah, yeah. That, cars. That many people, it's yeah, just yeah, so yeah. many, you know, people, you know, even a 
a crook riding down the street gonna be like, hey man, what's oh, up man, with all these? You talk about carpet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Every yeah. Every time I did an event at Coco. Oh yeah. They was it, famous it was, for getting cars was, broken over it, there. It, it got to the point where yeah. I just kept I just kept like uh I I I take my money from the door from doing my event mm-hmm. and I just put forty dollars to the side, like, well, let's just wait till somebody come over here, like, man, somebody mm-hmm. just broke in my head. They was famous for breaking the cars over there. It it, it must be like uh, you can steal a car alley or something. <laughs> I've never had a night where it wouldn't happen. And then you go up to oh man, God God bless Leonard. You go up to Leonard yeah. like, hey man, they keep right. Like I ain't got it. But they needed they needed to have a security or somebody man driving up and down that side of McDougal mm. and around. You know what I mean? It was you know I think that's for any Detroit event or any event. I'm not Detroit or not. You got to have some kind of outside security. Somebody driving around, at least looking. You know what I'm saying, and at least as, as a deterrent. They may not be able to stop the criminal, but they may be a deter somebody. You know what I'm saying from breaking in somebody's car. That's a tough part about promoting events in Detroit. Yeah, parking, parking becomes. A yeah, element. that's and a tough women, part. Yeah, yeah. women plan on coming. That'll be especially. You know, it's so mm-hmm. weird nowadays yep. as Detroit is shifting, and I have like you know way more white homies now. Like right. they'll, they'll right. come in the heart of, you know, I, right. I, I do something. They want to come in the heart of the city because they, 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 they want to feel tough. Like, they want to come. They yeah. be like, yeah. <laughs> Where's this at? Uh, Finkel and... Uh, yeah, yeah. They want to come. Finkel and Burt Road? Uh, They're interested in the city now. No, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Whereas, so, you, know, mm-hmm. you know, you get somebody from black, it's like, all right, so is it going to be lighting? <laughs> right. Is it going to be... Seriously. <laughs> you know, so uh, will yeah. there be armed officers that like... I mean, those important questions to ask. Though, if you're yes. from the city and you know what time it is, it was just a fight, and uh, you Man, said above you. I'm trying to tell you, Detroit got girls busting at people in gas stations, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> they pull the heat out. <laughs> <laughs> Hard chicks. Hey, Detroit thing, man. This city never ceased to amaze me, bro. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. So with that, we, we wind it down closer to the end. I'm going to ask you like no the same classic Detroit is different questions. First, uh, if you could rename Woodward after one Detroiter, who would it be and why? Mm. Wow. Coleman Young. You already know, man. This is his city. Okay. The city I grew up in was Coleman Young City, brother. Okay. All right. Kid, man. That would be Coleman and Young Boulevard, brother. The second one, and this may actually end up being your video feature, because I know you probably gonna get animated about this. What was the very first car you owned, <laughs> and what year was the car made, and what year? I was had I, it was an eighty-two or three Chrysler LeBaron. Ah, a black LeBaron. one with the, with the burgundy interior. My mm. grandmama gave it to me. Ah, what year did you yeah, get? It? Yeah, I got it in like eighty. Nine. Okay, so it was. It I was, was in high school. I was a kid. De- it was in yeah, the it decade. Yeah, it was in the decade. Yeah, but it was just a little. It bit. was like an 81, 82, 83. I can't remember. It was early eighty Chrysler LeBaron, but I got it in the late at the end of the decade. But I had it in high school. Okay, I remember having a car in high school. Okay, for you know two years until somebody stole it from me. Broke down on the Chrysler, man. Somebody stole my car. Okay, one second. Never right. got it back. We, you know that what may I'm saying, be the but, story we go yeah. through the video. <laughs> <laughs> the car breaking down. Man, my father was so mad at me, man. He was like, man, because it broke down. Seventy five and what? And uh, like seventy five and Davidson. Oh, you like know, right somewhere. down the street. Yeah, like not <laughs> far from here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I uh, broke down on the service, like on the freeway though, but mm. you know, on the shoulder walk. I got a ride. You know what I'm saying? My uh, car overheated, mm. so I went back the next morning and tried to start it. When start, you know, that's when I realized the engine did something that was probably like hey, overheated. Mm-hmm. So um, <coughs> I left, 
And then came back, and it was gone. And then I, my father was so pissed at me because I didn't really he I, he didn't see that I was being urgent enough about it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying about trying to track the car down with the police report and everything. Now that you're a dad, you understand. I understand you exactly where same, he was coming from. You'd yeah, be the same way. yeah. I kind of played it like man, it was sad and mad that somebody stole it, and that was kind of it. Like my follow up was horrible. Yep, yep. You know what I'm saying? I was more mad and sad as opposed to being proactive and trying to get my get car right. back. You know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, <laughs> the car broke down. You was on the side of the road. Man. We'll get into the, the, the yeah. dynamics of car breaking down, which yeah. I think every Detroiter knows. Everybody. You need a car in Detroit. Car man, breaking down come and getting on, man. on the freeway and trying to get over to the side when you were a kid. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, man. You don't really know how to do that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But you know what? We have better to to me. I, I'm 44. It was My generation drivers. of drivers is way better than the generation of drivers now, because no. we was getting our license at 15, 16, what permitted 15, license at 16. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that gave you a lot of time to learn how to develop your driving skills. By the time you're 21, 22, you're an expert driver. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You've been driving on the road six, seven years. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, you know, you you know, and so I, I think that we were. Taught being in them situations, mm-hmm. and then back then, with you know, you gotta remember driving in the wintertime back then, you was fishtailing. These cars weren't built the same way oh, no. as they are now, you know what I'm saying? These new cars back then, <laughs> you know, with that oh, front yeah, wheel drive and all that, and different the way cars was, you had to really know how to drive, you know what I'm saying? And now, I say this all the time, we have. Horrible drivers now. Oh man! You know what I'm saying because they didn't have driver's training class. They did. They weren't able to practice. They're not getting their license until they're in their twenties. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. y- y'all don't even know how to drive. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like they at all. Of, they get their license the same way they like sign up for like a, 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 a I don't know for anything for Netflix. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. yeah. Seriously, yeah, I'm gonna go get my license. They have no. We want to go to care about very little hands-on experience with driving here. Oh, it, you know it, what I'm saying? We're, we're driving nowadays. You know oh, what I'm saying with, with, the, with the new drivers. It's um, it's it's like even that whole idea. Like I'm so old school. <laughs> Who I'm are you young <laughs> in the sense of like you know if if I if I don't see your headlights in my head in my rear view, you mm-hmm. too close to me. Right, but it's that, that new right. driving. You, you, right. they damn near in your back seat. It's oh, like, dude, man. it's like, dude. If I hit my brake, you realize we done. <laughs> Both of us, you, you know, smashing into me. Yep, <laughs> and I hope you have real insurance. They don't give that space a lot. I mean, they don't. It's a lot of rules to driving. They have lost. You know what I'm saying. Driving slow in the far left lane, you know oh, what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, it's like this is the passing lane, my man. This is where you go faster. You don't drive slow on the far left lane, and then get mad when I'm trying to go around you. Oh yeah, right yeah, lane. yeah, it's like, speed back yeah, it's like, yo, hand, come yeah, on, I'm trying to try to pass you by. And just y- your driving stuff. ethics are horrible. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's, you know the the. the it's it's all it's off, man. It's like we in a third world country now. The way people driving, man. It, it actually reminds me of when I used to drive in L.A. A lot of Detroit traffic kind of reminds mm-hmm. me of that. And mm-hmm. L.A. driving was so crazy. That's the one place where it's just like anytime I get in the car with somebody in L.A., I just say, you man, know, you got a lot God of bless. I, I ain't tripping, but you got a lot of Mexicans in L.A. A lot of them don't know how to drive, bro. Oh, bro. And they coming straight across the border. Bro. You know what I'm saying? And they they working. They, they got to make a living too. They got to get to where they going. Bro. A lot of them don't know how to drive, man. They don't know how to read the signs. You got to understand, they may very well know how to operate a motor vehicle. But if you don't know how to read the sign and saying no right turn here or no left or no, I mean, you you you, you hit. LA, <laughs> LA Expressways is uh, the only express. 
I've seen people, you know, I've seen people. I've been in the car where somebody has changed six lanes without even putting on one blinker. <laughs> or even, even looking at the rear view, like, damn, did he just? <laughs> did he just? I'm like, slid over here. I'm like, Jesus. Yeah, man. Like, yeah. damn, you didn't even look. You yeah. didn't even be like, bam. You know, you you, yeah. you expect like the side eye, and it's like he just horrible, six horrible, and then and then even... look at his blind spot one time. No, didn't <laughs> <laughs> then, then look over his shoulder one time. It's like, yo, you realize when you change a lane. It's not what's in front of you. That's right, right. <laughs> that you're worried right. about. <laughs> right, right. And sometimes not in the back. It's on the side of you that you cannot see. It blind spot. <laughs> you cannot see this person right here. Oh, man. It, I, L.A. was, I, I can only imagine the type of uh, accidents that happen yeah. on a regular just because of. And then also, like, those those heels. Yeah. We got a lot of hills. Those, those we got hills, a lot of hills and those twisted Hollywood turns. Those hills and, where my yes, uncle lives, do. like the rich ones. Crescent it's, Heights and it's, all the different. It's some, <laughs> it's some turns in those Hollywood hills where uh-huh. they're so sharp. It's like, and you yeah. really can only get kind of one car in there. It's like, how in the hell do you know? Ain't nobody on the other side of that. There's some hills, man, right? There's Crescent Heights goes over Mulholland Drive. There's a little area and people that know that's been in L.A. It's horrible, man, with accidents. I mean, because people are not gauging themselves right, coming around them curves, going down that hill, and sometimes it's wet. You know, it's it's you know what I'm saying from the rain. It's this whole you have to know how to drive if you be out here on these streets. Be, yeah, no, so, you know what I'm saying. So, yeah, with, with all of that being said, we definitely hope that you are staying safe. Yeah. And if you don't know how to I, drive, I drive in all cities, man. Less, I'm in all of them. Atlanta. In New York, New York driving is is, is difficult too. Well, it's it's you aggressive. Know? You got to know what you're but doing. But people actually know how to drive. Yeah, they do. But it's aggressive. You, know you got to so know yeah. what you're doing. You, you have to know what you're doing. Like man. if you don't know how to parallel park, uh, don't you, even drive. You got to be city. able to parallel park on the left side of the street and on the right. Yes, yeah, yeah. You have yeah, to know yeah. how to do both sides of parallel parking yes. in order to be a efficient New York driver. Yeah, because they will. <laughs> if, you, if you take longer than ten seconds to park in New York, oh, man. somebody your, will be throwing a coffee in your goddamn. Yeah, man, they keep they it moving in New York. <laughs> if you sitting there like, oh, let's, uh, <laughs> right. you better know how to whip a yeah, parallel parking right. for real, for real. Because mm-hmm. if not, but yeah, New York, yeah, D.C., mm-hmm. the only, yeah, it's like just just D.C. was traffic. But yeah, New York, right off the right yeah. off the uh, bridge driving, but. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, you've been around, and you, and yeah, you hit man. that road. What, what's and I can only imagine what those trips are. A lot of cities, man. A lot of states. A lot, man. It's, you, it makes you appreciate the country, man, a little mm-hmm. more when you travel a lot. You see the beauty of America, and I hate to sound all patriotic, but it's the truth, man. You, you, you get to know and enjoy the states, man, and you know you respect where people at. You respect Arizona just as much as you respect Connecticut. Yeah, you know, and you respect Seattle as much as you respect Dallas. Or you know, it's just. It is what it is, and the more you travel, the more you get around, the more you see your country and where where, where you're at, what it has to offer, food wise, people wise, comedy wise, entertainment. You love and you respect it, and uh, man, hey, it's the beauty of life, my brother. You All right. What I'm saying? With that very last question, how do people get at you? What you got coming up next? What do they need to know? Uh, they can always get in contact with me on Facebook, Howie Bell uh, at HBZ Online. For Twitter and for Instagram, and uh, I'm not on Snapchat or anything else. But Twitter and Instagram is at HBZ Online, 
And um, they can always call me direct, man, 313-207-7647. My line has always been a booking line. I've had that same phone number for 15 years. Okay. Um, And, uh, hey, man, get at me for whatever you need. I'm always workable, too. People always say that, man, I didn't think I could, you know, Howie, if you would want to do something like this. Yeah, give me a holler. You never know. You know what I'm saying? I'm, you know, I'm living in my... Uh, my best years of comedy right now. So I'm I'm actually taking everything, man. I'm doing a lot now. I'll turn your event into a beautiful event. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I'm doing things. I'm hosting a lot now, a lot of different events. I just hosted the Apollo in New York. Okay. Talking about New York uh, a few weeks ago, uh, 125th Street. That was beautiful. That was absolutely awesome. Um, and nothing like seeing your name on the marquee on 125th Street at the Apollo. Oh, man, I can imagine. And, uh, yeah, man, you know, they got every every artist performed there from Ella Fitzgerald to Sammy Davis Jr. Did somebody so, get to see me while um, you was up there? <laughs> no, uh, we, did, we didn't do amateur night. It was uh, a okay. comedy night. They have a, a okay. comedy, yeah, com- Apollo Comedy Club. So, okay. uh, so it, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't the amateur okay, night with so the same man. No, no, nobody got <laughs> saying. But, uh, but it, was, it was a beautiful night. Uh, and um, just got a lot of good things coming as well, man. So y'all look out for me. Some stuff I can't really talk about right now because it's mm-hmm. still developing. But I got some really nice projects that have been associated with all those people that have been following Howie Bell for a long time. You, I got some stuff coming, man. Y'all going to be proud. So got some good things in the, in, the, in the works right now, man. Trying to make my city happy. Let's do it. You Let's know do what I'm it. saying, brother? Yes, sir. Yes, Thank sir, you man. so much. Thank I appreciate you, so you, man. Yes, this, sir. It was live, brother. Yeah. It was live, man. I enjoyed myself, man. Perfect.